But at this time, we're going to talk a little bit about Black History Month. Joining me now is our show contributor, Jerry Mayer Judson. Hello, Jerry. Hello, Jazz. What's going on? How are you today? I'm doing okay. It's Friday. It's Friday. I can't complain. <laughs> at least there's that. And it's not raining yet, so. Exactly. Good, Actually, it's, it's quite funny. We're always talking about the fact that, hey, when's it getting dark? When's it getting dark? Yep. We always look out the studio because mm-hmm. when we lo- leave the show, it's, it's dark. dark. It's Yeah. But it's about 5.15, the sun starts setting. Right? So like at least we get to witness there. the sunset during the show. It's yes, pretty good. I know, but I love the idea that it's getting later and later. So it's just another month. We're all going to be okay. Oh, we're all so, going to be okay. <laughs> I don't know how to segue into this, but there was some research uh, done by KPMG Canada mm-hmm. with regard to Black History Month. This bit of research comes out every February mm-hmm. to see kind of how we're doing in a corporate Canada sense with regards to diversity, inclusion, and equity and racism in the workplace and things like that. And ideally, we improve in both of those arenas every year. Um, and KPMG KPMG is a firm that provides audit, tax, and advisory services to small to medium businesses and nonprofits and things like that. So this research this year kind of brings our attention to a double-edged sword. So the two most salient statistics here that I wanted to focus on is that eight in 10 black Canadians feel that their employer has made progress in diversity, equity, and inclusion programs, which is great. But the same thing, eight in 10 black Canadians have also experienced some form of racism or microaggression in the workplace this past year. And so that was striking to me um, that these two statistics can exist simultaneously. So Mm -hmm. I talked with Tamika Miller. She is a senior manager in audit and assurance at KPMG Canada, and she co-founded the firm's Black Professional Employees Network because I wanted to understand this a little better. So I asked Tamika, how can both of these things be true? It's really a numbers game, right? Like, I mean, if you take a step back, you have to admit that there has been some progress. Four years ago, there weren't as many C-suite Black professionals. Even if you go back a couple more decades, Black women in the workplace weren't really a thing or wasn't as as prevalent as it is now. But then at the same time, as much as we are making progress, I think the other side of that coin, the 81% of Black Canadians who are experiencing the racism and the microaggressions, that kind of tells you the real story as to what's really going on. Because 8 out of 10 Black Canadians are still going into the workplace and experiencing some sort of racism or microaggression, whether it be someone saying, oh, girl, I love your hair. Can I touch? it, even if they ask to touch it, Mm -hmm. or just touching it like point blank, right? So I mean, there's many ways where that racism can can manifest. But I I do think it's looking on one side saying, okay, we we have made progress, things aren't as bad as they were maybe like 40, 50, 60, 70 years ago. But at the same time, are we where we need to be? Not really, not yet. So you have lived experience as a black woman at the intersection of that in corporate Canada. So I would be interested, like from your perspective, how can an employer or even an individual do better to tamp down on this racism in the workplace such that we don't see eight out of 10 next year? So I think the first step to fixing the problem that exists is actually acknowledging that there is a problem. I think a lot of people kind of brush aside DEI initiatives and racist occurrences because they think there's no problem. Like, what do you mean, Tamika, that you don't feel equitably treated at work? What do you mean you don't have access to the same opportunities and, and resources? Like, that doesn't exist. And I think it's because a lot of us have blinders on. So it's to kind of take the initiative to remove the blinders 
and listen to the experiences and stories of those in your circle or those who are in your environment and really recognize and appreciate that hey, as much as there might not be a problem for me, there is a problem for others. How do I go about educating myself about what that problem looks like or how it manifests in in day-to-day life? So I think that's the first thing. And I think the second thing really is going to be tone from the top. Us us lower-level people um, who kind of do the work day-to-day, we can recognize that there's a problem. But if our leadership in our corporations don't recognize that there is a problem or an opportunity to be tapped in because really diversity and equity and inclusion, that's an opportunity, a business opportunity for us to unmask and uncover and figure out so that businesses can do better. If our leaders don't accept that and they don't model that, then the rest of us who are working for those leaders or working with those leaders, we won't be able to follow suit as effectively. And Tamika also had a note about troubling trends south of the border with regard to diversity, inclusion and equity programs and the things that we're seeing down there. So I do want to kind of touch on, Jerry, like the whole um, trend that we're seeing south Mm -hmm. of the border with respect to putting away diversity and equity and inclusion initiatives because they're seen as not needed or harmful to a corporation. And I just want to encourage our corporate Canadian landscape to not buy into the lie that's being fed to us from our southern neighbors, but to really keep pushing on and fighting the good fight with respect to making sure that our workplaces are equitable for all of our diverse communities, including Black Canadians, just because we've seen, and, and the numbers show it, bottom lines do better when you've got a table surrounded by people with diverse backgrounds and experiences working towards a common goal. And the only way we can do that, particularly with the way things are kind of moving now, is to change what we've been doing for decades before and really kind of open up the doors to the people that might not look or act or come from the same places that we do. I'm glad uh, Tamika touched on the issue, uh, Jerry, uh, on the issue of the pushback on diversity, equity and inclusion programs. Last year, lots of articles out there uh, everywhere I've been looking, Globe and Mail, Washington Post, New York Times. There is a there is a pushback. On, I, on the program itself. And I, I I can't even see why I can maybe understand misrepresenting some industrial organizational research that, oh, if you are just doing diversity education inclusion programs, if you're just doing quote unquote sensitivity training, that it is not necessarily that effective. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, well, you also need to walk more of the walk. So I just I don't understand why there would be pushback. It's always literally valuable, I think. I just said literally like a millennial and devalue my argument. But I think it is always. <laughs> valuable. There's bottom line numbers are affected when you do have a mixture of skills and backgrounds, say in a C-suite even. Yeah. Part of it is, I mean, I just look at it as as the demographic shift that is occurring in Vancouver, across Canada, in Western nations, and society has to sort of change with it. Some of it's slow, some of it's fast, but there's always going to be some pushback from entrenched interests as mm-hmm. well, right? And sometimes when you do make changes, you do go, go too far too fast as well. So you've got to kind of weigh that. Uh, but thank you so much for that. Really appreciate it.